0: welcome back to the mind and body strong podcast i have a special guest today kim gold and i'm really excited to have her here we actually connected a few weeks ago on the topic of intuitive exercise and we really got to chatting over the phone and everything that she was saying just really resonated with me especially being that we are now into the end of november about to head into our last month of 2020 it's been quite the year and with the new year On the horizon, so many people go into that mindset of starting an exercise program or starting a new diet. And I really want to have this conversation. I think Kim is going to be fantastic in leading this about just how to build a healthier relationship with exercise instead of viewing it as a chore. So Kim actually runs a body positive gym in Austin, Texas. So I know with all her experience there and being a therapist for those with eating disorders and just her own personal experience is going to bring so much knowledge to you guys. So Kim, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I know I love that we were set up through a friend and um, just like the most serendipitous meeting. So I'm glad that we go from kind of being set up on like a blind friend virtual date.
0: It really was. And when I was talking to him on the phone, I was like, you know, I just feel like you were the exact person I needed to talk to. And yeah. the stage of life that I'm at entering in back into the personal training field where there's a lot of diet and exercise talk and how to have a healthier relationship with all of those things, food, our body, exercise, for not feeling like it's this chore and like it's this, you know, really punishing, like awful thing, which I think is a lot of what comes up in that field. So mm-hmm. I want to give my audience a chance to get to know you, Kim. So tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll kind of navigate into this conversation.
1: Sure. So I will make a very long story short and say that my background is in mental health. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, which means a lot less about like who I see and infinitely more just how I see people. Um, cause I can see individuals, couples, families, I've worked at a psych hospital and eating disorder treatment center. Um, and that doesn't necessarily, you know, I, I love seeing individuals. So I, I do private practice therapy. Now I have my own private practice and, um, along the way for, and I, I I say for fun. I mean, it was just to use a different part of my brain. And I suppose, you know, movement is fun. I've always loved exercise. And so I ended up getting a job at a bar studio and I worked the front desk. And then I wanted to train as an instructor just to challenge myself. And I loved it so much. Um, I worked there for a couple of years. And so I was balancing the hustle of getting my hours to be fully licensed for mental health, also with working at the bar studio and had seen, so much overlap in uh, different ways. And I realized in the mental health fields, you know, I, I ended up specializing and I specialize now in eating disorders, body image issues. I noticed that there was sort of this aversion to talking about exercise because the general feeling, I suppose, was if you talk about it, it means that you're, you're abusing it and you're, you know, talking about it unethically with clients, and it means that you haven't healed your relationship and all this stuff. And I felt very self conscious about sharing my experience working at the bar studio because I felt like I would be judged. And so I started um, to make, to figure out, you know, was I doing actual harm? Like, had I healed my relationship with exercise? I started doing my own research and challenging beliefs about exercise that I had sort of felt were a no brainer. And so the first one being, does exercise actually help you lose weight? Because that's not how I was using it. And yet that was sort of what I was afraid of was being put on me or was a concern when I was recommending it to clients who might have disordered eating or compulsive exercise behaviors. And so ultimately, once I figured out that no, exercise is not statistically significant for weight loss that sort of started this like snowball effect for me. of I'm like, oh my gosh, then what else is not true? And that all, like getting all that information helped me become so much more comfortable with um, my own relationship with movement too, because I had to really evaluate what of my beliefs were based on fact and what were based on like diet, culture, influence. I was then able to take that information to speak more comfortably about exercise and sessions with clients. And also be able to start cultivating a more compassionate, intuitive space at the studio when I was teaching. And then just sort of, and it actually was funny. I had been thinking about kind of going off on my own because there was a lot of diet talk um, that to me didn't feel helpful or imperative when I was at the studio, uh, And I ended up applying to be, I don't think a lot of people know this, um, but I ended up applying to be a super fit hero, like affiliate or ambassador. And they rejected me at first. And I was so hurt and I was indignant. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I am doing such good work. I'm creating such compassionate spaces. Um, And the gal who rejected me, she was so sweet. She was like, look, your values are great. Your social media is great. The studio that you work for is super diety, and we can't in good conscience like recommend that clients go there. And so, that to me was sort of the nail, the final nail in the coffin. I'm sure there's a more positive analogy I could or metaphor I could use. <laughs> sure. It was sort of like cherry on top, I suppose, where I was like, okay, I need to cultivate if I really want to be um, aligned with the message that I'm sending of like inclusive exercise and intuitive movement, I need to cultivate a space like a system that really also cultivates that. And so that was a lot longer. That was a long-winded way I suppose. That's a so, short.
0: That was that was perfect and everything. Everything that you said was was beautiful. I think one of the things that a couple of the things I was writing down as you were talking is this adverse like just feeling about talking about exercise because you were dealing with those eating disorders and I kind of went through similarly like have I really healed this relationship with exercise I actually stopped exercising for a really long time as I healed my relationship to food which was very challenging as someone who used exercise as this over just kind of like I just over exercised for fear of weight gain because you know to me I internalized all those like weight gain messages as you know, that I wasn't successful, or I wasn't enough. And it's just so crazy how we've learned to identify ourselves in those ways based on and really what I've come down to is it's not even because of my beliefs, like all of those thoughts and beliefs that I have, were put onto me by the culture that we live in. And they're not ultimately true. Like, there is nothing that says that one body is better than the other. And that's where this space that entering into with what you do now is really being all inclusive to just all space, all bodies in you know in that space, which is so awesome. And I love that you also pointed out, you know, working out is not something that's significant to weight loss, which I think a lot of people when they hear that they're gonna be like, wait, what do you mean? So I'd love for you to dive a little bit deeper into that first, so we can sure. open. It. I know people are thinking, what?
1: Oh, my favorite thing to talk about, like, (laughs) uh, so uh, yes, I'll back up. And before I talk about the, like why that's not true, I want to speak to like, what has reaffirmed that narrative because we hear, so I'll say I've heard so often people push back because they say, wait, that's not my lived experience. You know, I didn't change anything about, um, my diet, but when I started working out, I actually did lose weight and where they go wrong is thinking that that exercise has a causal relationship uh, with weight loss when in reality it was correlated you know I think we all learned in science class in like eighth grade but like correlation does not imply causation it's like that is applicable here because what's happening is that everyone has what's known as a set point which is the weight range at which our body performs most optimally we don't get to decide our set point um, as you probably already know so I'm saying for the benefit of our listeners it's like we don't get to decide our set point it is decided for us primarily by genetics, at stage in life, hormones, all of that. If we've given birth, our body does not know when we're dieting and trying to lose weight. It doesn't know that we want to lose weight or be in a smaller body. It thinks that we're starving, um, and so the our set point is typically people then say, "You know, like what is my set point?" Like I do not know because you're the expert on your own body. But our set point is typically when we're not dieting and we're eating intuitively and we're listening to our bodies and we're moving intuitively, where our weight settles. And that range is where our body kind of allows us to be where if we gain a little bit of weight, if we lose a little bit of weight, it doesn't react essentially um, or go into a state of survival. And so when it comes to that question of, well, I didn't change anything about my diet, but I started exercising. How do you explain the weight loss? Well, you might not have been at your set point because if you lived a life that was incredibly sedentary or spent, you know, a nine to five in a cubicle, then just went home and kind of watched Netflix, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. I do love some good old Netflix. However, if our bodies crave movement, and so if we're not moving, we're not actually using, you know, a small percentage of energy that that does get used when we exercise. And so it, it could be that the weight loss was as a symptom of beginning to move, not as a cause um, of moving. And so the reason that that's the case, in addition to that point, is that 100% of the energy that we consume comes from food. And I say energy instead of calories because it's a more neutralizing term more often than not. Um, So if 100% of the energy that we consume comes from food, exercise actually only uses around 10 to 30%. 30% is like the max. Like we're talking someone who exercises all day, every day, you know, competitive athlete, Olympian. Most of us really don't use that much. And even when we do, because we would die, like our body needs to hold a great percentage of that energy for like what's known as our basal metabolic rate, which is primary life functionings, respiratory, circulatory system, about 10% for digestion because we got to digest our food. And so- people think unfortunately because diet culture perpetuates this belief people think like oh I can you know go on a a run burn and I put that in air quotes 700 calories you know and I was just running for like two hours you know my watch told me that I burned all this energy and it's like well you probably didn't because if you only consumed you know around that which is super disordered and very uh we need to definitely be seeing a dietitian if that's what you're consuming. But let's say someone is like I have to work off what I ate. That's your body doesn't do that. Like you would actually die. And the body doesn't want that. The body is primed for survival. And so the longer we work out, our body adapts. It'll actually slow your metabolism down, you use less energy. And those like insane high intensity boot camps that people think that they like have to do to use energy, no, the more intense an exercise, the faster your body adapts, the slower your metabolism becomes during that movement, because it's like, we can't use all this right now, or else we're not going to have anything to digest later, um, or we can stop breathing.
0: Yeah, isn't that so crazy? That's one of the things that really I learned throughout this whole process is that dieting and over-exercising actually puts our body in this state of not only survival, but just like, like it triggers stress. our stress response. Right, exactly. And in that stress response, we can't digest, we can't heal, we can't recover, and we're just creating chronic stress, which from that place, it's like, you know, you're just operating from this like empty gas tank, essentially, you're just, you know, you wouldn't, I think a lot of people use the term willpower when in the diet culture world, like I know, right, like total like (laughs) word. (laughs) but the analogy I like to give to people is like, would you will your car to drive without gas? Probably not. (laughs) Like you wouldn't get very far. So why do we insist on willing our bodies to move when we are expending so much energy and not feeding them? It's just absolutely crazy.
1: Well, and I think one of the biggest myths that—I mean, all of these, obviously—that gets perpetuated that like people believe that they need to torture themselves is like the no pain, no gain, Mm -hmm. and like dig deeper. It's like if you just hurt enough it means it's working and that is so not true in fact you literally just you know reaffirm the opposite which is like when our bodies are in pain when we're exhausted when we're overexerting and we're feeling like nauseous and tired we've fueled ourselves our body's in a state of stress we actually don't get those really nice benefits from exercise that we would if we were properly nourished and moving intuitively
0: yeah absolutely and I want you to define intuitive exercise for my audience who might be new to this concept and might be still in that mentality that they need to diet or exercise to lose weight or be in a smaller body or to that there is this pain, no no pain, no gain mentality, all or nothing. Like there's just a lot of mentalities and narratives that are not supportive. So what is intuitive exercise and how can we shift our mindsets to practice that?
1: Sure. Intuitive exercise or intuitive movement is essentially the, the act of like checking in with our body to get a sense of how much energy we have, you know, if we're t- if we're tired, how we're feeling, like checking in, kind of doing a body scan and being aware of like our physical and emotional like selves in that moment, and then deciding what type of movement or exercise to engage in based off of how we're literally feeling. And that is how we're feeling not dictated or, or influenced by diet culture messaging. And so if, you know, I have a lot of energy, but I have this thought that like, well, I know that running helps me burn the most calories. I need to take a pause because we need to move away from that myth of, you know, we need to use exercise to lose weight. That is not what exercise is good for. You know, exercise doesn't do that, as I like to say in short And so maybe in that moment, I need to go on a bike ride or I need to dance or even like do some jumping jacks in one place. It's just moving energy out of the body and connecting with our body in a really mindful and compassionate way.
0: I love that. It's just, it feels so much more supportive when you say it that way. And for a long time, I really struggled with this concept myself. Like I believe we we chatted about, you know, I stopped exercising for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I remember- feeling like my body craved like like those slower movements because I used to, and I still do, do a lot of like high intensity weight training. I do enjoy that. But because I've moved into this place now of more intuitive exercise, I'm able to do those slower like movements like yoga. Like whereas before I didn't consider that a workout. It was like, no, like if I do yoga, I have to also do something else because it wasn't considered a workout if I wasn't sweating. There was all these expectations about how long it had to be. Um, you know, how I had to feel afterwards? And what if it could just be, like, stretching and supportive? And it's it's funny when I tell people that now, um, when they're like, what do you do for movement? I was like, I mean, I guess I, I do a couple of high intensity interval workouts like a week because I, I teach them and I enjoy them. But a lot of times I'm just stretching in my room and like foam rolling and taking care of myself. And like this week, for example, it's Thanksgiving week as we record this. And My body's, I can just feel that it needs some recovery. So I'm going to just take that time. I did some yoga this morning Mm -hmm. and it feels really great to be able to have that partnership with my body instead of forcing it to do things that it doesn't (laughs) want to do.
1: Yeah, and I think most of us are taught from a really young age, you know, by teachers, parents, coaches, you know, in in sports teams like that, we need to use exercise for like something very Specific, right? Like the weight loss, or uh, you know, our body is like a tool, and it. We don't really get taught like how do you tune in and like listen to your body, ask your body what it needs, and I think that's something that you know in therapy too. When I'm working with people who have family conflict or conflict with partners or struggle like communicating, we are literally not taught to even communicate with ourselves. Like we are not t- taught how to heal our relationship with ourselves or ask us like what what do you need emotionally physically mentally at any given moment um, that's considered like selfish or self-serving and it's so not because we end up missing all these opportunities to really tune in and like honor our bodies and like that's what ignoring our needs is what keeps us from feeling like settled and connected which is ultimately what we crave yes
0: yes I love the word honor that you used. I think honor, trust, communication. I love how you brought up just communicating like between family members. It's the same way we need to learn how to communicate with ourselves. And we're not, we're not taught that. We're taught to seek validation and approval and advice from all these external sources and to like kind of give our power away in that sense instead of actually turning inwards and saying, what is it that I need? Which can be such a kind of, just interesting way of looking at it if you're really not used to it, like a very just, you know, novel thing I guess. <laughs> I know it was for me. I was like, "What do you mean? Like, I just have to do 30 minutes of exercise every single day?" And while movement is 100% uh, very good for your health and well-being, and your mood, and your stress levels, if you're not enjoying it and allowing yourself to be in that relaxed state, you're just continuing like this kind of chronic stress cycle and in turn, breaking your body down. That's one of the things I have to constantly remind my clients of If at the, in the gym environment is to take breaks. And we have a couple of members that just go every single day. And like, I haven't had a break in two weeks. And I'm like, listen, like, I'm not allowing you to sign up for classes for like the next two or three days. Mm -hmm. Like this is not because what you're doing in a workout class and what, people don't recognize is you're breaking your muscle fibers. That's literally what you're doing is ripping them apart. When you're doing something like weightlifting and interval training, you're ripping your muscles apart. The only way that you can recover is, is resting and sleeping and taking care of yourself.
1: Hmm. Well, I really like, and I think you said it a couple of times, this reference, this period of time where you didn't even really exercise as you were recovering and healing your relationship with food and your body and I think that's huge. And we don't talk about that enough because I I went through the same thing as I was exploring, like, what am I using exercise for? I had this sort of like existential crisis where, you know, I've loved exercise my whole life. It's always just been this like no brainer. And yet the relationship I've had with it, as I'm sure you you also can identify, has gone through like so many different waves and like transformations and Um, there, yeah, there was a period of time where I was just confused more, more often than not. I was like, well, why would I go exercise? I I don't even know, like, what's the point I'm taking, you know, I was challenging all these myths at that time. I was helping my brain kind of readjust and rewire in relation to like what exercise was good for. And I couldn't quite decide then, Well, okay, like what, what's true about exercise then? And like, what do I even want to do? Like, I've been so used to relying on external cueing and messaging about like what I, jeez, what I should do that I had not practiced, you know, asking myself what would feel good. And so it was this like twofold process, or I, I suppose threefold, like challenging internalized narratives about exercise and figuring out whether they were true or not, most of which were not true. Um, and then, the, and, you know, kind of starting to ask myself, okay, if if I don't have to get up at 5am every morning and spin, then what what might I like to do? And then once kind of I started identifying what might be fun, what I might enjoy, beginning to to give myself some new narratives to work with of like, what what is exercise really good for? How is it helpful? Because if all these other narratives aren't true, I need to understand what the benefit of this is, you know, so I'm not just sort of like, blindly jumping into another like relationship with movement without being curious
0: mm-hmm.
1: and ultimately I think that's what is missing is that the what the actual benefits of exercise are are sort of an afterthought it's like yeah no no heart health sure that's great but like I can lose weight when I'm you know go to that boot camp or whatever get on the treadmill and it's like no 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 let's let's take calories and and weight loss and all let's take that out of it because research does show that regardless of body size, whether that's it being a thin body or being in a, a larger body, regardless of body size, someone who exercises or someone who engages in, in intuitive movement does typically live longer. Like yeah. our life expectancy goes up when we move. However, not when we're using it like compulsively or abusing our bodies, right? Then we're in like a consistent state of stress response.
0: Yes. Absolutely, so many good points there. Um, I think it's just, it's so important to highlight that, like how you kind of brought me back to that point where I didn't exercise. I don't, maybe don't talk about that enough because I was also very confused in that moment, really enjoying moving my body, but also really challenging a lot of those internalized narratives that were not supportive. And one of the questions that you pose is like, what's the point, right? Like, what's the point if I can't change my body or lose weight? I think that's a lot of the, the struggle, the internal struggle that a lot of the people I work with have. And I, I even heard someone in the gym the other day, like vocalize that. I was like, well, let's talk about all the internal changes you've made through putting your health and fitness first. Like, let's talk about that instead of focusing on all these numbers and things that really just don't mean anything. Like we can, and I think one of the things you kept re coming back to is like that it gets to be fun. Like what, what, what would be fun? What would be enjoyable? And I think when I give that to my clients, sometimes like, wait, I, I get to have fun. Like, <laughs> like, wait, I have permission to do that. Cause we were having a conversation, Kim and I, before we hopped on the call about how there's a narrative that we have to struggle all the time and not just in exercise, but in all areas. And what if it just gets to be easy? What if it just gets to be fun?
1: Oh my gosh. And therein lies like one of, the, I think, the biggest issues. Um, it's funny you bring that up and I'm like, oh my God, we need like another hour to talk about all this. Right. But I see this so often, like with, with career, with finances, with relationships, um, and obviously with food and body image, it's like we've all sort of like a, our, our culture values productivity and this belief that like if you just work hard enough for something, you can earn it. And one of the most destructive narratives I hear with clients in therapy is this belief that you need to struggle. You need to be in pain. You need to be exhausted, overexert yourself in order to have like earned something. And while that can be true on the occasion, right? Like work really hard on like a project that we turn in and we feel really proud of it. Uh, We, or, you know, like a, a difficult topic pops up in our relationship and we need to kind of like explore it, pull it apart. It doesn't always have to be so hard. And I think we're taught that it needs to be so hard to feel like we've earned it. And that is, that just, I mean, mean—it so speaks to this part of us that doesn't feel like we deserve good things unless we struggle or we're in pain. And I'm like, we don't need to like keep pushing that. We need to explore this belief that we don't feel like we deserve things if we're not in pain.
0: Yes, really taking that step back to actually observe like where that is coming from. Because most often too, if we're all living by this narrative that we need to struggle, how we do one thing is how we do everything. So if you're noticing that in your relationships, it's most likely in many other areas, which Mm -hmm. is what I found with binge eating for me is Mm -hmm. that I was also uh, binging social media (laughs) and um, Mm -hmm. overspending in large amounts So like binge spending. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was so, it showed up in every area of my life. And so when I actually acknowledged what was the root cause of that, because food and all of that is never actually the real problem. It's actually, you know, much more internalized than that. And for me, it was not knowing how to handle difficult emotions and difficult situations in my life. And the only thing I knew how to do was eat a lot of food and numb it. Mm -hmm. back at that part of my life with so much compassion now thinking like I was only doing the best I knew how to do in those really really hard times Mm -hmm. yet you can offer yourself that like forgiveness it's like oh wait like I was always doing the best I knew how to do I just didn't have the skill like the tools and this coping mechanisms that I now have from like working with a therapist or a coach or a counselor or someone who can help to give you those things I think in the environment we live in now, mental health is even more important than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to just have those those tools, like we're just not taught them, and I think that we have this expectation that we just need to figure it out all by ourselves. I know I did, mm-hmm. and allowing yourself that space to just like, no, it's okay. Like you can you can lay down your superhero cape and ask for help.
1: <laughs> it's mm-hmm. Okay, well, and I think. Part of the problem is too like being able to ask for help is such a strength and a lot of people like that's not even a blip on the radar of I would say a lot of what I see in like standard fitness culture is like, we're, you know, and I would say this is like a stereotype I call this out in advance like reverse uh, anore- anorexia, which is like bulking and um, steroid use and this idea you need to get like really big um, and like, they're not, I would say that population is not one that I often see in therapy or in treatment centers because it's normalized. That's the biggest issue. And we know that with like orthorexia, it's literally just looked at as like clean eating and being healthy. And I'm like, no, that is sick. You cannot eat processed foods that having a full blown meltdown. And it has the same sort of superiority complex as anorexia this idea that like, I'm better. I figured out the secret if, you know, because I eat clean and I, I treat my body like a temple. I mean, I hear the same narratives over and over again, used to justify really sick and disordered behavior. And the difference being is they just slap a label of health on it. And that's not to point fingers or blame. I mean, that is so normalized. And we, I think we've probably all been there this, like using a tool to help us feel worthy. Right. But that just sort of reinforces that narrative of, look, I'm like, I have enough willpower. We had sort of spoken to like the willpower idea. I have enough willpower to not eat these things and to go to the gym every day and like, look how mentally and physically strong I am. And it's like, well, could you eat some cheese without having a meltdown? And if the answer is no, we should talk.
0: Yes, absolutely. So many good things. So as we head into the end part of this 2020 and head into a new year where many people are making resolutions for their health and other areas of their life. In the area of intuitive exercise, what are some of the tips that you have to at least help my audience navigate, like having more compassionate goals around exercise and, and food in the new year that will help support them instead of set them up for a failure like diet culture does?
1: Yes, I love that you're talking about this. I think those really linear narratives of like new year, new you and like I'm going to lose 10 pounds in the new year. Those are really hard because those are just very linear, like black and white. Um, I need, you know, the new year, new you is so limiting because it implies, it sends this message that what you are is not enough. And I know QI roll, it's like the sort of cliche, you are enough. And that's, I mean, obviously that's what I'm saying, but also if you rolled your eyes at that, but was like, you are, it's like, well, you don't feel like it. And so meet yourself instead of trying to transform yourself or like think that that new face wash is going to like cure you. I know I get it. I started wearing sunscreen too. I feel better now that I get to say I wear face sunscreen and let's get curious though, instead of just shooting out in the future and say, here's what's going to make me better. That quick fix. Let's look at like, meet you where you are. If you don't feel good enough, if you're setting that goal to like redefine yourself in the new year, let's get curious first about what you feel like is not working. You know, seek out help, just like Katie, you had said, you know, I had to look at what the root was in order to look at how to shift my behaviors and become more authentic and compassionate. Instead of developing new behaviors and solutions, which inevitably become the problem, let's look at what the core is that's perpetuating this belief that of the not enoughness. And then with this like goal setting, like reel back on the goal setting entirely, right? As we're acknowledging that we need to meet you where you are before we create these like shootouts. We need to get curious about like, what, are, what is someone's actual values? What do we really care about? Mm-hmm. And instead of it, setting black and white goals, and this is something like one of my very first therapists taught me that I just loved, instead of setting black and white goals, let's identify what our values are and set flexible intentions based off of those yeah. values. So if a value of yours is, I wanna treat myself with more compassion, Let's get curious or when I say let's, obviously I can't see thousands of people at once, but I would I would implore everyone to get curious about like what is not working, what you know, what do you actually care about and how do you align with those values, baby steps? So if you value compassion, get curious about are you really extending that to yourself or are you just volunteering on weekends and saying you you're like doing it there? Like that's where you're getting your compassion fixed because let's create something that's a bit more long term. And like, identi- um, applicable to yourself too. So I value compassion by beginning to move more intuitively, eat intuitively, like learn to meet myself where I am. Like that's a pretty good intention. And just baby steps towards that. Like every choice we make is either a step towards or away from that intention and our values.
0: I love the, that you use the word intention setting. That's actually something I do with my clients in the first session. I explain mm-hmm. how we're not going to do goal setting today. <laughs> like you would with typical health coaching, we're going to do what's called intention setting mm-hmm. and really kind of setting the stage for that. Because like you had mentioned, it's a lot more flexible. And when we create ourselves, these what we often internalize goals, it's like if we don't stay on the straight and narrow path and we fall off. We're now identifying as a failure or that we are behind or that we're off, you know, we're never going to get there. But when we can create an intention and know that it's a winding road and that we can incorporate all of the the quote unquote, setbacks or um, ways that we've kind of gone back into those old behaviors and just know that that's a part of it. We can set ourselves up to be like, oh, this is a part of the process and it's normal and it's fine. Instead of saying, oh my gosh, something's gone wrong. Like I need to change. And yeah, so that was, that was so good. I love that you really focused on like the compassionate piece and not just changing your behaviors because ultimately just changing the behaviors is just going to create more of the problem Mm -hmm. and actually identifying the root cause. So I loved that so much. So I'd love to know what, as we kind of round out this episode, what is your favorite intuitive exercise? And if you could tell us a little bit more about where my audience could find you and more about autonomy movement in Austin, that would be awesome.
1: Sure. And I think um, I give, as a therapist, I probably give such unsatisfying answers because most of my work is right in the gray, and so I don't know that I have like a favorite intuitive exercise. I think I like to make a habit of offering myself like a smattering throughout the week, and so I'll do like you know a strength like a weight workout with my fiance, or I'll like you know one morning we'll just like go on a walk, especially with the air cooling down in Texas. It is so nice to be outside, um, you know. If I have my partner he actually like his bike got stolen out of our garage but before that I did love bike riding and I, um, I'm i having a hankering for some rollerblades so at some point maybe I'll invest in some rollerblades that would be fun um, at probably the same time that I invest in a dog at some point soon that should happen but all that to essentially say um, it just really that's the point of intuitive exercise right is intuitive movement as I wake up and just sort of ask myself how I'm feeling and um, you know, yesterday I didn't even think I was going to move. I was so tired, but then towards the end of the day, my arms just started getting a little jittery. My legs are getting jittery. So I, um, went on like a little quick walk, which was nice. And then, um, we, you know, autonomy movement, we do have a physical studio in North Austin, Texas at this time. Um, we're kind of doing it in person at the studio appointments, just pretty much upon request. We don't have anything like consistent going on there with COVID, um, however, obviously it's still, it's there and people can ask if, you know, they want to do a training session up there. Otherwise, all of our services are actually online. We're virtual. And so, you know, that's a question I get a lot is like, well, you, or a question statement It's sort of like, oh, I wish I could come take a body positive bar class, but I'm not in Austin. I want to be like, okay, don't worry though. On our website, everything is virtual. If you have create a zoom account, you can hop on all of our training, we have fusions, which combine movement and therapy, um, we have body positive bar, like I mentioned, we have two bar instructors who are just wonderful. Uh, Natalie and Holly and the, your first class is free with code first free. It sounds like an infomercial. Um, and we also, you know, if you were listening today and heard some like new information and want to just learn a little bit more about like, what the heck are we talking about? I actually created online courses for that. So for clients, um, you know, if you're wanting to heal your relationship with your body movement, body image, I have a course, that's called debunking movement myths catered for the client. And so you can access that through our website, through our client portal. And then for professionals, if you're a personal trainer, um, if you're a group fitness instructor, fellow therapist, dietitian, nutritionist, what have you, we, I actually created a course that is pretty similar. It's like a parallel experience for professionals um, also Bar Instructors, I created a bar for all bodies to help people learn how to teach more inclusive courses. And so those are all accessible through our like professional portal on our website. And um, they can follow us on follow us on Instagram. We have an Instagram autonomy movement, all one word. Um, we, we're also on Facebook. Of course, um, Facebook, I think we post maybe like events and some pictures like from Instagram, but that's sort of our main hub. And if you sign up for our newsletter, um, you get a weekly update from us. So 10 out of 10 would recommend. We also have a free guide to intuitive movement on our website. So want to so make sure
0: that there.
1: Yeah, and there's a fun little checklist in there to kind of figure out, are you moving intuitively or not?
0: Ooh, so good. Awesome. We'll, we'll definitely link all of those in the show notes for you guys. So definitely go check out Kim and Autonomy Movement. I follow them and I love, I follow all their instructors because they're all. <laughs> them (laughs) but they have really great great information there and I just want to thank you for doing your your work in the world because it's so important and I just have loved getting to know you and your movement and really just thank you for sharing this on our podcast today
1: thank you so much for having me I love connecting with like-minded professionals so you're a treat
0: Katie agree well thank you so much Kim
1: you're welcome bye